Hi! Welcome to Obsessions of a Millennial Drama Queen, where every week a guest and I work our way through the alphabet talking about things we are obsessed with. I'm Adam Dalton-Blake, and this week my friend Daniel Gustina and I got together to talk about how Y is for the YMCA and other gay anthems. We chatted about some iconic scenes from Can't Stop the Music, the Aussie queen Kylie Minogue, and who we would cast in the modern village people. Make sure to follow us on TikTok and Instagram at ondqpod, that's ondqpod, and let us know in the comments what you're obsessed with. Also, feel free to leave us a rating and review on anywhere you get your podcasts. It really helps us out. Enjoy the show! Hi, Daniel! Hi, Adam! How are you doing, honey bun? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day. Nice and dreary. I know. I realize I just called you Daniel, which I don't think I've ever done in the history of our friendship. To me, you're always just Dan. Yeah, I mean, well, I wrote it there so that you know how to say it. <laughs> well, it's hard for me. It's hard sometimes. I know, it's hard. You're learning how to read still. <laughs> um, so obviously, I have you on here to talk about how Y is for the YMCA and other gay anthems. Because you are a music aficionado, you're also very mm-hmm. gay. Um, yes. But before we get into our little topic topic, I always like to have our guests come on and see if they remember how we know each other. Oh, now, yes. Dan, do you remember the time that we met? Yeah, I do. Um, well, this is this is what I consider our okay. meeting, and I think yes. you, you do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but James was hosting Bushwick Open Studios, I think, mm-hmm. for his first time, and we were doing mm-hmm. it out of his apartment. James, my partner, for the listeners. Uh, so we were doing Bushwick Open Studios, and you came by mm-hmm. hoping to Im- impress James. <laughs> yes. And I was there. <laughs> and then we quickly hit it off, and that was kind of the whole beginning. You worked with James, so mm-hmm. like you were always trying to steal him from me, and thus around. And I, I just adored you. I I'd be okay if he stole him from me, actually. I mean, I do feel like we are in a um, symbiotic relationship where I I feel like I definitely became your uh, child (laughs) in a big Mm -hmm. way. Yeah. Um, I was kind of like the twink that followed you around. You're like my gay nephew. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) It is amazing because, so obviously James was the first guest on this podcast. He was A. Right. And you're Mm -hmm. rounding it out with Y, and then Z will be like a bit of its own thing um, next week. But um, you guys are kind of the bookends of um, this podcast, but also like bookends of my life. You just hold me together. Look at this. The metaphor. It's so full circle. Did you plan this? I mean, she's a planner, but uh, let's just say a lot of plans fall through. Um, but um, yeah, I I loved um, obviously meeting you, and um, I think what solidified is that like the next time we hung out, I covered your whole apartment in glitter, um, yes. and then we went dancing to some fabulous, fabulous music, and then we yes. were just like, oh, oh, this is it, this is it. Yeah, I mean, once I accepted that, you know, glitter would just become part of <laughs> my life, uh, unwilling or not, uh, it, it, it was nice. I, I wanted to in, just envelop you and your glitter, your yeah. desire to 
leave it in my home. Yeah, it's definitely a package <laughs> deal. And that was a big thing with um, me and Giovanni when we started dating. And we moved in together, and he soon realized that everything was covered in glitter. Um, it, it was a hard, hard moment to uh, mm-hmm. process for the both of us. You, you, because you can't get rid There's no getting rid of it. No. It does eventually dissipate. I think, like, mm-hmm. over time, it's deconcentrated or something. Yeah. And it you probably breathe it in. It's just mm-hmm. part of your DNA. Like, yeah, I've accept. Uh, have you embraced glitter? I think you have. I mean, I truly have. <laughs> well, the, the whole thing is, it's that like uh, everyone says, like, oh, glitter's the worst. You can't get rid of it. it. Which to me is not a bad thing. That's like That's the fundamental issue. <laughs> is that <laughs> I don't have a problem with glitter being everywhere forever. And F- and uh, that's right. I feel like that's a hot take. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Cricket's barking. You probably want to wait. That's okay. We love Cricket. Cr- Cricket just has... Yeah. So Cricket is obviously um, the dog in your life. Dog slash yes. son slash um, grandfather in your life. Um, yeah, he does look like an old man. And he's just trying to weigh in on our music conversation. He's like, get to he the music. Does. Yeah, he wants us to talk about the YMCA. <laughs> awesome. Yes, so speaking of which, we'll do what Cricket wants, as, a, as we always do. Um, so we're talking about the YMCA and other gay anthems. Um, and now before we get into like the specifics of like the YMCA and the village sure. people, which I have a lot to talk, a lot to talk about. Um, let's just take a step back and do a, uh, a large view of this. What do you think makes like a gay anthem or a gay song moment? That's a really good question. Um, and, you know, I think there's like two components to this answer. I think mm-hmm. there's like the subjective component because like as a gay person, you probably have your own idea of an anthem or mm-hmm. like something that just speaks to your life and has become an anthem over time. Uh, but, you know, there is definitely like a format for a good anthem, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we can go back quite a bit and like, you know, uh, like downtown is such mm-hmm. an easily recognizable song and like it's done in you know i think like a really pleasant key i don't know what key but it's <laughs> in a pleasant key and like uh those things those crowd pleasing keys that you yes. know you can write music in to because you know everyone's gonna love it so like mm-hmm. all of those that's kind of like part of the formula i would say it's like a crowd pleaser everyone's gonna recognize mm-hmm. it um so like i think there's probably a lot of songs that were never intended to be a gay anthem, right? And mm-hmm. just became one. Yeah. Um, downtown. Uh, so, like, uh, I think that answered the question, though. I think there's definitely a formula um, or a format. And then it has to be uplifting, right? It has to be upbeat mm-hmm. and it has to deliver some kind of message around. I don't know, hope getting back at your boyfriend that just broke your heart or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. like resisting something, um, you know, respect another yeah. anthem. An- I think we could consider. Of course. <laughs> right. Of course. I do think a, fr- a through line through like a gay anthem tends to be either like a great dance beat or like right. a fierce diva singing her face off or like in the case of I'm Every Woman, let's put mm-hmm. that together and get the best song of all time. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I think like that's what you get in like the disco scene is yeah. like 
they just find get a girl that can really sing her face off and then put that beat up to like 150 beats per minute and people are going to eat it up and they're yes. they're right that's that's they that they were designing pop music so mm-hmm. they knew what they were doing oh yeah i have um to kind of like go on top of that i have a distinct memory of um a group of us just like you know the ragtag crew of like basically everyone who's been on this podcast we went to <laughs> see nikki siano at the good room yes. and yeah. um so nikki siano is one of the last still living djs from studio 54 right um yeah i think well less studio 54 i think he was involved in that but mm-hmm. he was at places like uh paradise mm. uh the loft um kind of like these mainstays of specifically gay nightlife i would Mm -hmm. say like not that studio 54 didn't have the gays they they did (laughs) uh but but the studio 54 was for celebrities and like Mm, the recording industry at large so it wasn't like you know you're not getting a lot of the where subversion comes from in this music that's probably not necessarily playing out in the same way mm-hmm. as studio 54 and i think that's what makes nikki siano's legacy a little bit more interesting outside of that mm-hmm. um because places like paradise and the loft were a lot different um and they catered to a different audience and a different um and a different appreciation of music i would say yeah, he's just so good. And yeah, you're right. He like captures that like uh, like disco energy for like the yeah. younger group. Um, and the reason I brought it up is because so we were at the good room and everyone's like dancing, dancing. It's like a lot of straight people because like the good yeah. room is not necessarily like a like a gay only club. But Nikki Siano's right. there, so the gays came out. But like everyone's dancing, whatever. The gays are like at the bar, we're all talking, whatever. He puts on a disco remix of The Way You Make Me Feel by Janelle Monet. And oh, yeah. it's it's as if like someone was giving away hundred dollar bills in the middle of the dance floor. All yeah, of the yeah. gays descended <laughs> into the middle just of this ran. <laughs> and is just they're just posing, hands up, singing along to Janelle Monet over this disco beat. And it was definitely a moment where I realized like, oh, this guy has our number. This guy knows exactly what he's doing For to sure. get the gays For going. Cause my guess sure. is that he kind of saw it's like, oh, like it's like you know, let's liven this up well, a little bit. I think, yeah, I think what we were experiencing was, is that he was like, he plays old disco music. He, mm-hmm, he does. Yeah. And like, uh, I think some of, especially that was a while back, I would yeah. say, and disco had its big revival since mm-hmm. then. But um, I think he was having a hard time getting people to dance to these like older mm-hmm. disco songs. And then he like was like, oh yeah, I should spice it up with this. I know what people are going to eat up. And uh, and I think, isn't that song also produced, was it partially produced by Prince, probably? It does sound like Prince. My, I wouldn't be surprised if it was. Right. So, like, and, you know, a Prince song is just, it's going to tear up the dance floor. Like, yeah. people, oh, know, yeah. like, they recognize it. It's like, at a subconscious level, James and I were talking about this the other day, that, like, even if the song wasn't produced by Prince, you can tell when they were like, I wish Prince had produced my song. <laughs> totally, <laughs> it's totally. like, you can hear it. Um, so like, that's always gonna just drive everyone a little bit mm-hmm. nuts. It's sexy. And I think 
that's maybe a, another key component to a gay anthem is, is that it has to be a little bit sexy, right? And I Janelle Monae's so. music is pretty sexy, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, yeah, he, he captured that moment and that is uh, bridging that intergenerational gap. You know, we don't have the hedonistic disco era anymore, but mm-hmm. he was able to kind of deliver it in a new way, which is really beautiful. Yeah, and then we got this whole disco revival, which is just like bringing right. all of these um uh like uh queer songs to the forefront like that are like made for the queer club, which we will yeah. get into Kylie's disco album yes. in a little bit. Yes. Um because that is <laughs> revolutionary and amazing. But Absolutely. uh we do have to bring it back to our letter, which is why oh, for yeah, the YMCA. Why? So diving into the YMCA in the village people. Um, do you want to give like a little history for the children of the village people? I feel like you are, um, I would say oh. like uh, an all knowing being of like the oh, thank you. late or like the seventies and eighties in that realm. Wow. For, for those oh, that my. don't know, D- Daniel is a masterful DJ um, has oh, fantastic. Oh, I, I will give the roses <laughs> when they're due. Um, Yes, very good, and uh, just knows so much about like disco and like, and especially in like that like late seventies era. So, can you do a little a little diet tribe for for us friends here? Sure. Um, Yeah. So, I think you watched. Can't, is it can't stop the music or don't can't stop stop the music? music. I watched it yesterday. I rented it. Yes, that's the problem with finding that one. Is, is yes. like, there's no way to get around it. You have to purchase it. We own it, um, <laughs> which is not a bad thing. So uh, Can't Stop the Music, I think, is a really great introduction to the village people mm-hmm. and uh, their entire uh, legacy, essentially. Uh, but, you know, during the 70s, um, pop music truly exploded like it went from the 60s version of uh like motown and pop records being produced to uh this very commercially successful and viable media Mm -hmm. and format of music because we had the technology to do it uh we literally had the physical means to record an infinitely more uh infinitely more combinations of pop songs that they Mm -hmm. were working on you know and creating these albums um and the speed with which we could do it also changed so like i think something people don't realize about disco is is that the catalog is uh it it is enormous and that you know these kinds of groups like the village people or the song the ymca made its way to the top of that that catalog is really interesting like Mm -hmm. what was its mass appeal yeah um, and part of that is, is that they're a group that was engineered to sell pop music. And um, so they knew what they were, like I said before, they knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this group was supposed to be, you know, a representation of characters. They all have these big personalities and like as individual artists, they had big personalities too. Mm-hmm. So they had to, present a character i'm not going to go over each of their roles because i don't think i need to um but each of those characters you know it tells a story and then like at the same time you have um 
you have a media a, a media format that is slowly evolving its visual components mm-hmm. too. Um, Beyonce hadn't dropped the visual album in <laughs> 72 yet. So we hadn't quite discovered how to do all of that. And uh, you could do it with a really good stage presence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your trailer, I think it's in the 70s, right? That Broadway kind of peters out, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. They have like an industry decline. Mm-hmm. So you have those same people and that same production, all of that, that work oh, well, let's just take it to the nightclub and pair it mm-hmm. with dance music. Yeah. Uh, so you get a performance. And that's what the village people is. And it's not, it, they're, they weren't the only people to do it either. Um, but uh, they managed to hit all of these charts, right? And they went up. Uh, they It says here that they sold more than 100 million records, had three top 10 hits, four top 20 dance club hits. Mm-hmm. And then they also went on a world tour. Uh, they sold out Madison Square Garden. Um, and then they end their kind of illustrious career with uh, Can't Stop Music. That was mm-hmm. supposed to reinvigorate their careers because <laughs> at the end of the 70s, mm-hmm. you know, disco dies out. And uh, for a very big and obvious reason, but mm-hmm. we won't get into that. Um, <laughs> so they tried to relaunch their career with mm-hmm. this I think it comes out in 1980 or like right at the end of the seventies. Yeah. So they can't stop. The music was supposed to kind of show, you know, the village people are still here. We can still make and entertain uh, everyone and not just like, we're not just a gay group. We entertain straight people too. Um, (laughs) Seriously, because their music had, they had to like, you know, kind of, I think one of the artists you can find quotes from him saying that, uh, the YMCA isn't a gay anthem. Mm-hmm. Um, it was meant for everyone. And it's like, well, that's that's funny that you're saying that now. Uh, <laughs> but like, <laughs> it took you a while, but it's interesting <laughs> that you said that now. Uh, but like their albums have like, okay, uh, let's go. Village The Village People album only had the four songs on it. And mm-hmm. it was uh, all named after like intrinsically gay and popular <laughs> right. gay destinations. Uh, so Fire Island, yep. San Francisco, You've Got Me, Village People, and mm-hmm. Hollywood, Everybody mm-hmm. is a Star. Yes. So like, and that format persists. So like their yeah. next one, Macho Man, is the same thing. It's all like references to the these inherently gay and uh, like not just like gay, but like butch man gay kind of oh, yeah. like they have an album. Gay. They have an album called Cruisin' and a song right. called Key West. <laughs> exactly, and it's just like overbearingly gay almost. And um, it's it's funny that like oh, actually, wasn't Macho Man is on the same album as a song um, Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and Macho Man arguably is just as mm-hmm. popular as the YMCA because it's like the yeah. stadium anthem. Yeah, of and that's something else to think about. Is it's like this is music that was being played in stadiums to a vastly straight audience, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and getting all of these men really excited to watch other men hurt each other in the hockey rink <laughs> or on the football field. So it's like, wow, it all kind of, it's all one and the same almost. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's pretty amazing that like, so the YMCA, I feel like growing up, I just like thought it was like a, like a wedding, like a song you play at like weddings or like a bar mitzvah. Think about or all like of a, the venues you've heard at. Right. Yeah. And then like actually doing like a dive into like the village people in the YMCA. I'm very much like, y'all did that. Y'all really got gay culture into mainstream media through like kind of a subversive oh, yeah. way. Like y'all did it. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's like that's also a key component. I think maybe through this whole podcast, will this episode will figure out the mm-hmm. formula and format for a gay anthem. <laughs> yeah. um, we'll just be adding to it. Uh, yes. But I think another key component is that it has to um, maybe originate or facilitate the subculture that it's mm-hmm. communicating with. Right. Uh, but it achieves some sort of mainstream success, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like, these were on Billboard charts and, you know, talking, I mean, come on. It's, it's <laughs> very much about gay men. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I think the subversive element. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's like uh, so funny that we're like, yeah, obviously it's about um, something gay. Because for those who haven't seen Can't Stop the Music, um, mm-hmm. I'll give a brief synopsis of it, but the scene where they're talking about the, where they're singing YMCA is definitely the mm-hmm. gayest thing I've ever seen in my life. So can't stop. The music is all about like kind of the fictional, but kind of realish formation of the village people. And yes. it's all because of like, so how it starts is that this young guy is a songwriter, but he's working at like a, sh- like a record store. He's like, I want to be a, a producer, songwriter, whatever. Right. And so of course he has aspiring. His, aspiring. Yes. He has his like hot model friend. Who's like um, the top model right now, but doesn't want to keep modeling. Um, and so she's like championing him and like, come on, let's like make a, make, make let's like get, get you recorded and all that stuff. But they live, so they live in the village, which like, might be a little gay in the 1970s, possibly. Um, I mean, I think even I think even sooner they're like, I think like she says they owned the townhouse in the village, mm-hmm. and she was like, "Oh, we've been living here since the 60s," and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. Just Which been... it's it's beautiful in there. Her be- her it bedroom is, is like all. Um, like salmon satin curtains and just like lofty and billowy, and I'm like, ah, great. She has a balcony. Oh yeah, oh yeah. She has everything. A backyard. She has everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, they have, yeah, yeah. So we learn quickly that she's like <laughs> maybe the biggest ally I've ever seen in any sort of um like cinema. She wants to get to create this group of like all of these gay men just because like they're the women they're the men around her that like happen to be able to sing yes and they're also they're like friends i think like they have um like i don't know they they're all linked in some sort of way there's the scene where they all literally come over the garden walls (laughs) and and descend into (laughs) their garden (laughs) And I think that's when they decide that she needs, she's like, oh, I must start this, um, this like dance music group and produce this. <laughs> we're going to produce their music. And like yes, that, exactly. that was the scene that sold them on it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, it's so amazing because then she also has like a, 
like she's uh she knows that this big record producer is like really into her but like he's kind of like annoying and you know like your typical kind of like villain straight guy um so she's using her like yet again just the best allyship she's using her like feminine wiles to get this gay group record like a recording contract or at least like money for a demo all while um Caitlyn Jenner is in this movie, like pre-transition. Um, she looks amazing um, in yes. some of the um, like tightest, tiniest yes. clothes I've ever seen, like on a person. Um, some white shorts appear, ooh, right? Yeah, some yeah. like tiny white shorts, tiny white shorts, crop top, just below yeah. the X. Um, and she plays this. Um, a lawyer who like happens to come to the recording session because he's dropping, I think he's like dropping something off or something. And um, she um, is like, Oh, I, I like, this is too much for me. Too much for me. I, this isn't the lifestyle I agree with cut to at the end. She's like, Oh my God, I love you. Marry me. I want everything around us right. to be gay. Um, but so they like go through all these trials and tribulations, but my favorite scene in that movie, which I played on repeat yesterday was um, they need the money to record. And um, the woman, her modeling agent is like, we need to get you in a dairy commercial. We need to get you in a dairy commercial because they'll, we're trying to make milk the new champagne and they want to model. And, and the girl is like, I'm retired from modeling. I'm just doing music, but they need money. And so she's like, well, let me call up my agent. And she says like, hi, yes, I'll do that modeling gig, but I have this group with me and we're a package deal. And so she, <laughs> they come up with this amazing commercial for milk that milk. is um, her as like a housewife pouring milk and there's kids um, who are her kids dressed as like the young village people. And she says, yes. "In drink, drink your milk. And that's how you'll become a successful like adult singer. And so they drink the milk and they go into this number called, um, is it called do the shake? It's like, do the shake yes. milk, shake the milk. Shake. Yeah. It's like a, it's a really weird, um, <laughs> It's like it doesn't even fit their catalog of music. No. I would argue it's like the strangest. Uh, it sounds like something from like a really like uh, like poppy Broadway mm-hmm. performance. Yeah. Like a oh, yeah. Um, keep going though. You're doing a great job describing oh, it, it. Oh, it's so good because it's also. I have to say, like this movie got like panned because of what it is. If it got released now, it would be Oscar. Like, let's talk about it. The set is like, they don't make sets like this yeah. anymore, where it's just like huge set lights. It's the, um, I think it's like the tool belt song or something like that, with the red, the red mm-hmm. scene. Um, and it's like this incredible refractive red um, set that they're like crawling through, and it's all around like hardware and tools <sighs> and stuff. I don't remember the song, but. It's so like the whole movie is just so camp and so good, but like this yeah. number there, it's, it's a long number. Milk number. And yes. it is, um, the shots are so like seventies, eighties with like these close-ups of these dancers. They like do a harsh pan back. The outfits are amazing. Everyone's in white and like sparkles. Um, yeah. cause it's milk. 
and um, right. the dancing is impeccable. It, it, for p- people need to go watch this because it is yeah. kind of unreal. It's like a lot of like vignettes of like eighties yeah. dance or like seventies eighties dancing. Um, it's brilliant brilliant and like so and so the through line of this movie is kind of that like straight women love the gays and so they get like this opportunity to perform in like san francisco um and uh at like this uh party because it's the start of like oh people are paying to go to parties let's obviously go there because there's money there um right and so then they end up performing there's like and then there's uh uh, the main two characters fall in love. There's a proposal. Amazing. Kind of just like a happy little bow on this super campy movie. Um, but my God, if that movie did not just become my favorite movie of all time, it's so good. I'm so glad that you finally watched it. I, I mean, know. We, we saw it many years ago. I think I saw it in public. Like it was being played at like a, a bar or something mm. like that. Or no, it may actually have been introduced to us through Sally. She may have been the one that insisted on watching this actually. Sally Pizzuto be of podcast fame. Yes, exactly. Um and I I remember instantly saying, oh my God, this movie is this is ridiculous and we have to watch it in our backyard. So we invited a bunch mm. of people over because there's such a, an emphasis on the village townhouse with the the backyard and like everyone hangs out there. And I was like, Oh my God, this is the perfect thing to show in our backyard. Cause that's kind of what it was like a lot of times. Totally. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, I just realized I I totally forgot to talk about the YMCA scene. So basically, they're like looking for a rehearsal space because the law office they were having auditions in got set off. The fire alarm got set off by a gay auditioning with fire batons. Um, You know, just classic story (laughs) fodder. Casual. (laughs) So um, Caitlyn Jenner, yet again, in the tiniest outfit I've ever seen. Their body is so, like, I think they were just off of the Olympics. Like, it's so I would, I, tight and just yes, like Yes, it would have been right after that. Yeah. And so they go to the YMCA, the local YMCA, um, to rehearse um, or audition. But what it is, is they just break into the number of like YMCA and they go right. through the locker room. It's, it's hot, it's steamy. Everyone looks amazing. Everyone has like feathered 70s hair, tiny shorts. And then they go into like the gymnasium and it is a gay gymnastics, rhythmic, aerobic, um, cacophony of tiny shorts, muscle men, um, and just some gay ass choreography. It's amazing. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, actually the scene in the, that courtroom or whatever the boardroom that they're in mm-hmm. where you're talking about the, them setting off the sprinklers even that scene is <laughs> yes. just 
wild <laughs> and like the dancing on top of the table i mean <laughs> you can't you can't make it up it's it's so good the whole movie is fantastic but yes they do break out into this fabulous rendition that kind of again points out oh by the way this is actually a gay anthem <laughs> yes. song. look at all of the muscular men in this image uh and like all of these like classically gay mm-hmm. you know the locker room cruising thing so yeah. like that is uh, just kind of like doubling down on it mm-hmm. you know like by the way we're still here and we're still queer <laughs> yes. uh, and an interesting choice for um I would say it's a bold choice from all participating parties to mm-hmm. produce that movie at <laughs> that time when it came out mm-hmm. uh, after like disco demolition and everything. And you, and then shortly thereafter you have the AIDS epidemic. So it's yeah. like you, it's this time in history that is just like incredibly intolerant of queer culture mm-hmm. and anything that's remotely gay and loud, you know, yeah. like, please be quiet and go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is like an, a lavish celebration of, um, of iconic gayness, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's so interesting about that is that, so I was doing like trivia research on that movie. Cause that's what I do after mm-hmm. every movie I go to IMDb and look of at the course. trivia. <laughs> it was the first movie to win a Razzie award, which is like awards, like the, the worst of bad. Yeah. Yeah. Productions of like the whole year. It was the first one to win like worst picture, um, which I'm like, ah, God damn it. But also alongside that movie um, that it was nominated with for worst picture was um, cruising with Al Pacino, where he plays like an undercover um, cop, um, "Quote unquote straight cop." We never really know, right? Um, who's doing like detective work in like the um, leather world of gay culture? So interesting right. that both of those movies that like are ve- like two very like opposite sides of like queer culture, of the gay coin, yeah, <laughs> were were both like quote unquote worst pictures that year. Where right. I, I I will stand by if "Can't Stop the Music" was what came out um, today, it would be brilliant brilliant and it would have such a such a following behind it oh for sure and then like think of all of the artists that you have today that could Mm -hmm. easily jump into these roles and like you could re recreate a new village people honestly and i think i think you have uh i think you have a great idea and i wish someone would maybe some a listener out there uh there's like an angel investor out there (gasps) that wants to produce a good movie. Uh, we've got an idea for you. Yeah, an angel investor, a fairy investor. We'll take any type fairy of investors. Investor, demonic investor. Ooh, I'll myself. take that. So, yeah. um, we did. We talked about the village people in um, a big way, and obviously they're kind of like gay music icons, and they have some um, mm-hmm. iconic songs. Who are some other like gay music icons? that are gay that aren't but like the gays have kind of like taken them on and then do you have like any like songs that you're like ah this is kind of like an underrated gay anthem so this might be the most difficult mm-hmm. part of the podcast to talk about <laughs> uh because like I, I i said it earlier i think you know i think we find our own anthems mm-hmm. often yeah uh and i think there's like a lot i listen to a lot of uh house and techno and dance music that is 
already catering to those spaces. So I think there's like mm-hmm. a lot of anthems in there that maybe, you know, other people just haven't heard or just aren't as, you know, mainstreamed in any way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you know, if we're talking about those like mainstream anthems though, I mean, I think we should probably talk about Kylie. Let's do it. So you got me <laughs> really into Kylie because so Kylie Minogue uh, obviously who we're talking about is um, I feel like in America, she's very slept on. And what most people know yeah. her from is that um, song, the can't get you out of my head, um, which was like big in like the early, like late nineties, early two thousands. Um, I loved that song, but and also locomotion. Oh, and locomotion, right. Locomotion. Locomotion had mm-hmm. an early traction here, but yeah. not, not, like can't get you out of my head yeah but like growing up i was like oh she's kind of like a one-hit wonder like there's this this girl who's like disappeared cut to you coming into my life and being um (laughs) what i'm gonna call a kylie stan and um you made me listen to her disco album which came out in 2020 like mid pandemic she released a disco album of all like disco dance songs and it is truly a no skip album some of the best like dance music i've heard lately um but what is your what what's your um where does your love for kylie stem from uh i think my love you know i think we all uh as as um as as identified queers as known Mm -hmm. gays we we must have or chosen diva all yes. gays we mm-hmm. it's like a pokemon i think like you, you have your diva <laughs> champion uh yeah. i will send her into battle for me uh <laughs> and kylie became mine because um and i've told the story a million times because i think it deeply informs people about my taste in music but uh back in the day when we downloaded everything illegally mm-hmm. i had my tower computer you know i was like <laughs> 12 or 13 and um i had uh I, back then you had itunes and windows media and all these mm-hmm. different you know media players right and i had been using itunes on a not apple computer <gasps> and uh and it broke and i lost <laughs> all of that music and no. i had discographies like just so much music you would you would never run out right mm-hmm. like every every artist's discography was like the, what I was striving for essentially. Mm. And I had gone pretty far. Um, and I had all of Kylie's discography. And when my computer crashed, thankfully, uh, it was her discography and um, Sonic Youth and Jesus and Mary Chain that all survived <laughs> the crash. Yes. Uh, and I could only listen to those discographies for like, <laughs> I think a year or something like that. <laughs> so I became very familiar with Kylie's uh, mm. music catalog. And I had all of her live recordings. I had every remix album I had like, <laughs> because it was back then when you could mm. like go onto a website and get every single thing that had ever been released. I became, I just, and then from that point on, I was like, you know, I guess I'm, I'm a Kylie stan. I, I know all the music. Maybe it wasn't necessarily entirely my choice, but I didn't know it. <laughs> so, and, and also I, I had encountered her 
uh, I was also very into like house music and stuff like mm-hmm. that at that yep. time. So, and Euro House in the early 2000s was, you know, inescapable. And Kylie was, you, you would get the Kylie remixes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the Fisher Spooner version of Can't Get You Out of My Head is very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had just kind of spent so much time consuming Kylie and it was so easy to fall in love with her music. And she's a great pop artist and mm-hmm. um, so successful around the world and has had such a long career like Mm -hmm. such a deep catalog of music um and all of it is essentially timeless like it keeps up you Mm -hmm. know locomotion still comes on at the gay bar and people love Mm -hmm. it you know it's like it's 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 she just has such a good staying power and a very nice individual very charismatic individual she's just a very enjoyable pop personality um you know, it's rare, like it, Beyonce is like one of the only other artists that I can think of that has that same caliber of mm-hmm. like, just always going to love it. You know yep. what, you're nev- yep. never going to go wrong. Right. Um, always going to be a good face, always going to be smiling and charismatic and giving. And that's what you really, I think a lot of people crave in their chosen, you know, diva or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and her stage performances are phenomenal. Uh, the Aphrodite tour is consistently one of my favorites and you can watch these live recordings of her shows and you'll get the showgirl experience as she's known for. Um, 100%. And, I, and I think that sets her in that, you know, that category of gay icons because, you know, she has all of that stage presence and the, um, famously the glass of water routine where mm. that someone brings out a glass of water oh, yes, to yes, the yes. performer mm-hmm. kylie supposedly has a lot to do with that being a stage production mm. part of stage production so um i think she even handles that part of the diva pretty well like she can create this sort of diva energy very well oh i love that yeah she's definitely yeah. like like um I feel like kind of like the unsung hero of like a lot of like really good music. Cause I feel like when people think of like the queer icons, at least in like modern day, it always goes back to Mariah. It goes to Brittany. It goes to JLo. I mean, you can even say like, I think like, you know, these are very contemporary artists. I mean, yeah. Whitney less so, but then like you go back, Tina Turner, of Martha course. Bosch, you, mm-hmm. you've got like, and then Anna Ross. Like, during the nineties, the you had just an onslaught of women. Uh, sing, I think we said it earlier, singing their faces off, but like a mm-hmm. lot of nineties house music had these lead singers on yeah. them. You know, you didn't know their name necessarily. Mm-hmm. But it was this like powerful voice that spoke through the dance floor to you and made you feel, you know, some sort of emotion around that music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's like kind of what I was getting at earlier. Like there's so many, there's so many anthems that aren't mainstreamed that like the formula for a good anthem exists in the subculture as well. And uh, I would say it probably even originates from that place uh Mm -hmm. where underground dance music is supposed to be an escape 
from the reality. So you're going to hear messages that are uplifting or um, empowering in some sort of way and help you escape from, you know, just the pain of reality. Uh, yeah. And I think that, I, I think that's like, uh, you know, has a range of personalities to it, a range of artists that can capture that feeling. Um, it's just the things that go mainstream that become a true anthem, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's totally like the things we remember about those like songs from the 90s um, are like, for example, like on Good Vibrations, like the Marky Mark, I can't name a single, I can't do any of the rap that Marky Mark's doing, but I can certainly yeah. do the, it's the good vibration home, which is like that right. disco influence <laughs> that's like the, right. in like the queer lexicon. Again, it's all part of, you know, we know what songs and what kind of, you know, what kind of music will really capture and uplift mm-hmm. those emotions. You know, music theory, you can go into that. And oh, yeah. All of these songs are engineered to capture that spirit, I would say, and that escape, that um, uplifting escape yeah yeah what was Um, the other song that's kind of like that i'm totally blanking on it right now but it starts with like um i mean uh, i think i think you're like dancing around cnc music factory a little bit uh so like make you sweat uh who i had Mm -hmm. the privilege of seeing many years ago perform live in a nightclub uh (sighs) in new york city and it was a delight it was truly delightful Mm -hmm. um that was a moment I lost to history. Um, the iconic West Gay parties at the Westway <laughs> Tuesday nights. Frankie Sharp, oh, um, so good. I also saw Lil Kim there. Little Kim, Miss Lil Kim, the Queen Bee. I did. How, I how, sure did. How Lil was she? She actually is a very petite woman. <laughs> like <laughs> she, she lives up to the name. She's a very petite woman. Um, very nice. Love her. She's she's a very petite woman though, and she always has the waist very snatched when mm-hmm. she goes out. It's very she's very good looking. Oh, love that. Well, speaking of snatched waist, so um, <laughs> we kind of talked about like the um, the girlies who kind of like laid the groundwork here. But who do you think is like in the current day lexicon, like continuing to make music specifically for the gays? Do you have do you have any that you can think of? I think that I think um, I'm going to be very diplomatic in my responses. You're probably going <laughs> to hate me for all of this, and I'm so sorry because, like, I, I, I again, like, it is so so. Um, it is so, you know, it is your own choice what, mm-hmm. what is an anthem to you. But mm-hmm. who is making the music for the gays? I mean. I think that Kylie Minogue album has a lot yeah. of features on it that mm-hmm. uh, definitely capture that. I think Missy Elliott, I think, is still mm-hmm. out here. You know, her career is definitely tapering off. I know she's got her personal life and health issues and everything, uh, but she's still involved in production. She still uh, has her influence from all of the albums she's mm-hmm. ever made and all of the music she's produced in the past. Um, but you know, there's still new music coming out that we are, you know, it, new releases this year that she's involved with. And I think like, you know, it would be remiss to like, kind of exclude her from the docket of mm-hmm. people who have been championing, 
uh, freedom of expression and oh, like joyful music. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah. So like, I, I will say that she's still around and doing that. Um, who else? Kylie, obviously Kylie Minogue. Um, I think Beyonce's album, most recent album, mm-hmm. while not, I ne- I never, I always like kind of put Beyonce as like her own. Yeah category like you know she is like an entity that exists outside of uh the laws of physics so we can't mm-hmm. use rational thought to describe <laughs> right. anything she does um she's just that amazing mm-hmm. uh, like she has a superstardom that transcends all oh yeah all things uh mm-hmm. but you know i think there's a lot to take away from her um from her discography in general that oh, totally. is just intrinsically part of our community and our shared experiences and like you know just thinking about how people react to the self-titled album releasing you know Mm -hmm. like that phenomenon of the album release and like the way you hear people talk about these legendary or iconic artists and Mm -hmm. what they do she's always going to be at the top of the list yeah oh a hundred percent and i think like the big um obviously like her recent album renaissance was like inspired by ballroom culture and queer culture and disco culture i mean the cover is her on top of that glittered horse which is obviously referenced to like studio 54 in the disco era um and i think that like kind of there there are two other artists that are kind of embracing that disco era in like a very like respectfully way currently um and i think it um boils down to jesse ware who is putting oh. out stunning yes. queer music excellent it's she's just such a good singer she's, she's such so a good, good singer her production is so dancey it's so yes. good um her in concert yes. i've seen like clips of like it's just her dancing with her gig backup dancers it's amazing i i was gonna say i think like um there's just a lot of these younger women who have entered the the mainstream in the past couple of years you know mm-hmm. um uh jesse ware is a good example yeah. i would say um I, I think there's like a lot of young women that are coming up in this mainstream pop scene and are under like you know they've had the influence of the internet they grew up with yeah. in their mm-hmm. 20s and 30s they're they're us and they're achieving their um their career success now you know they're at a point in their timeline where they've hit mainstream and they've been in these spaces their friends are all gay guys that they went to the gay bar with a million times mm-hmm. over and heard all of this music you know and uh, now it's being incorporated in their repertoire and they oh, know yeah. that like we're the people that make those albums sell mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh a hundred percent a hundred percent and I think that like that goes back to like what I was uh, gonna talk about with Carly Rae Jepsen is that she right. had this huge hit with Call Me Maybe that was like kind of mm-hmm. like teenage girl fodder and like adult gay men like ate it up then as she puts out more music she kind of loses the teenage girl fan base a little bit and the gays embrace her in the largest way um specifically with the song cut to the feeling um and um it's what i'm gonna call the sarah michelle geller effect where um, she, I don't think she intended to become kind of like a queer icon, a queer artist, but she's just going where the love is. And so now she's making right. music for the, the gays and her career is on fire. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I I one hundred percent agree. I think her music is delightfully entertaining. Yes. Um, and you know that's the point of. I think that should be the point of pop music is that yeah. it's supposed to be uh, overwhelmingly entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's I I think uh, that "Call Me Maybe" song is a pop. Sen- it, it really is yeah. like the formulaic pop sensation. Um, and I think through that, you know, she can kind of formulate the rest of her work as, through that, right? She can yeah. kind of launch that. And um, But uh, who are some, who else do you listen to that you would consider uh, an artist of gay anthems or a, a queer icon for you? I mean, we have obviously like our Kim Petras here, like, in the, sure. like kind of like the queen of like queer pop right now. Um, right. because of her experience, because of the type of music she puts out. Um, there's yeah. a girl, Charlie XCX, who is just embracing sure. the gays in a big way. Um, but I really just listened to a lot of Carly Rae Jepsen and Jesse Ware. <laughs> That's kind of what I imagine. <laughs> yeah, I think there's also this generational thing. So you're a little bit younger than I am. I'm only and, 15 uh, years old. I know you're an you're a child. You mm-hmm. are an infant. You mm-hmm. were born yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why your skin looks so good. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> but I think generationally, you know, I think there's a lot of music um, that I listen to, mm-hmm. or you know, people in their thirty. I, I say this all the time. Beyonce made Renaissance for thirty year olds, <laughs> um, <laughs> thirty and forty year olds. I would say like uh, I've never felt sexier listening mm-hmm. to that. Um, and it's because it had no intention of targeting an audience under the age of 30, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, I genuinely yeah. believe that. Um, and we're all grown adults now, and we have mm-hmm. our success and our love lives and all of these things going on that um, Beyonce and Jay-Z may be on a platitude that we will never experience <laughs> as far as economic mm-hmm. uh, security. Mm-hmm. But it, uh their problems are still real and um we we align with it mm-hmm. so like for me uh you know i think there's a lot of uh focus on the youth right now and there's like a lot of music catered towards that and mm-hmm. um it's all very fun but like uh there's definitely still artists and still there's still so much music that you know as a dj and as someone you know, I'm working on these weekly playlists now mm-hmm. and um, there's, there is just so much music that mm-hmm. exists with that. I have never even come close to touching um, so many artists that we've never heard of or experienced because like I said, the, the pop industry, it puts out so much music mm-hmm. that it's kind of like there's hidden gems of that course. you'll never discover. Yeah. Um, so I think there's like for me, uh, I've been in a a period of discovering a mm-hmm. lot of older music that just never saw the light of day in yeah. some sort of way, and it's becoming, uh, it's all becoming gay to me. Frankly, <laughs> like it's all it's all very gay to me. Um, and like, um, and then there's these these artists that I'd like to see back in. The public again like i i've been thinking about delight a lot lately <gasps> and just groove is in the heart is like mm-hmm. such a like 
all the gays know it. Uh, you go to any yeah. queer space, you're likely to hear D-Light playing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And like, it's such a uh, a, a unique and uh, identifiable sound, like I, D-Light as an artist mm-hmm. is, um, that I'd love to see an artist kind of capture that same spirit and that same energy. And I think we're kind of in a place now where that kind of, um, that music is gaining a lot more popularity, this like hyper pop and colorful, bright, uh, ultra, you know, sparkly, young yeah. music. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I think there's a lot of that coming out right now. And it's all very exciting. Oh, I think so too. And I think that's a perfect segue into this game we're going to play. Are you up for a little bit Ooh, of a game, yes. Daniel? Sure. Yeah. I love a game. Okay, great. Okay. So, um, this game, so obviously we're talking about how Y is for the YMCA and other gay anthems, and we just talked a lot about the village people. So this oh, yes. game is called Village Persons. So what okay. I'm going to do, <laughs> and what, what I want us to do, kind of in like a quick fire, first thing that comes to your brain is we're going to recast the village people um, with okay. modern celebs, modern singers, modern political oh. figures. Um, oh, this is going to be so fun. For like each of their like characters, which um, sure. I think we can skip one, at least one of the characters. Um, but <laughs> I wonder which one. <laughs> um, but uh, so I think we can just do like a, a little quick rapid fire here. You game? Yes, I'm so ready. Okay, great. Okay, so the first one to cast is the cowboy. And of course, any any gender, any, any expression... Well, I, I, I think that that man that wears the mask, you know who I'm talking The singer, he's gay. He looks like a cowboy. Oh, Orv- Orville Peck? That guy. Yeah. She should be the cowboy. I right? Agree. That's he's, great. He's already got the look. He's yeah. already got the look. And the mask is like a fun addition. I think that's like a great play for that. That's a good play up on that character. I think so too, but I will raise you a Dolly Parton. Sure. I mean... I think Dolly Parton should be, um, if we're if we're casting for uh, not just the village people and we're casting for um, Can't Stop the Music, Dolly Parton would be the ally that funds so. the, the production. Yes, oh, 100%. Amazing. Right. Okay, love that, love so she's, that. She's their, their agent. She's their agent. She's their manager. Awesome. Okay, right. second... Um, Second member is the construction worker. Who do we see that as? Ooh, this is a tough one. Because, uh, yeah. like, my 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 immediate thought is, oh, trade. But um, <laughs> I think, like, I would love to see a femme mm-hmm. role cast, yeah. right? Like, someone really femmy. Um, oh, I don't know. Who would you cast? I think I want, like, butch femme. I think I want, like, like, uh, like. Yes. I want, like, Rosario Dawson. Oh, yes. Excellent. That would be great. That would be great. I Just like all greased statement. up and like working it. Yeah, that would be awesome. I would be very into that. Or like maybe there's a drag queen contestant that we could cast <gasps> who's a successful. Hmm. I mean, hmm. Lucy LaDuca hmm. literally is a construction worker. So maybe it's just like in her oh. blood. Yeah, maybe she should be. Yeah. Yeah. All right, okay. Lucy. We'll I'll, give you a call. I'll text her after this. I'll okay, good, 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 good. Yeah, I'm sure she doesn't know anything else going on. Um, no. so the third is the leather man. So kind of your, oh, your, um, quintessential head to toe leather, leather dom boy. 
Yeah, who would that be? Um, see, this is where I'm probably not great because I don't know any actors. Uh, <laughs> but they can they can be uh, historical anyone. figures. They anyone. can be um... literally alive or dead. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm here for alive. Are we or gonna dead. are we gonna bring back someone from the dead? <laughs> Maybe I I think that we just lean into it and do Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. Oh yeah, I, I mean yeah, that I think you definitely win there. <laughs> That's a good one. Or or we just lean into your super crush of all time and we do Chris Maloney. Well, I was actually thinking, yeah, Chris Maloney. I think he could really <laughs> champion some assless chaps. I think uh, so. But I was even thinking uh, Channing Tatum. Uh, oh, very or... good. You, you know, like yeah. someone who is going to fill out those chaps. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, enough said. All right. So the next one is the GI slash sailor. So I think it started yeah. as like a GI, like in the army, but then it progressed to sailor. I don't remember this sailor identity. That's interesting. I only remember the GI yeah, identity. Yeah. Was that in Can't Stop the Music? Can't Stop the Music. Yeah, it was the, the yeah. Very, very similar styling to both the construction worker and the cop. Right. Yeah. So it kind of got lost. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, Anyway, a good sailor. Uh, (laughs) It was a good sailor. (laughs) 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 I don't know, Adam. Um, I'm trying to think of like someone in the cultural zeitgeist right now. I want to see like a, like a, a big, a big white toothy smile with like a bing at the end of it playing that i know who Who? i know who i would cast we just saw moulin rouge the other night and uh there was one of the dance lead or one of the dancers Mm. in the group who's front front right stage uh i've never seen such marvelous thighs on a human being and he was dressed in like a french sailory short look Mm -hmm. in it it worked. James and I immediately said, winner, that costume of the year, <laughs> best dancer. Uh, and he had that charming boyish face. I think mm. he had the sailor hat on even. So I think like, <laughs> I think that would be my cat. I don't know who that individual is, but I think he's meant for this role. I think so. We'll, we'll do a deep dive into a playbill and get that person. Yeah, we're really going to have to, you know, <laughs> back of the book. I think also, um, you might not who this is, but there's an actor whose name is Jeremy Pope. Do you know who that is? Oh, gosh, no. no oh, just like there. so classically handsome, bing of a smile. He's he's a Ryan Murphy yes. guy. Um, and okay. it just like kind of fits in that vibe. Yeah, I think we could just cherry pick from any of Ryan Murphy's <laughs> tr- uh, trophy husbands and like. I think he will probably produce Can't Stop the Music um, in, the, <laughs> right. in the next 10 years. Can't stop the music too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, and then the last one because we're skipping, we're skipping um, one of the characters. So, but then we have the um, one that's also kind of controversial. We have the cop. So obviously, in like that time, the cop was kind of like a gay um, character because it kind of like goes into the whole leather world. So, um, right. who would you who would you put in that world? Um, I would cast uh like a criminal <gasps> Ooh, very subversive <laughs> just criminal uh any criminal will do uh no i would uh i would cast um laverne cox 
Ooh. And she's not a cop. She's mm-hmm. not a cop. No, fuck that. There's no cops. Um, <laughs> she's got to be, uh, she's, she, uh, we're going to recast the cop entirely. It's mm-hmm. no longer a cop. Let's make it, um, I like the idea of someone who protects. So, mm-hmm. like a nightclub bouncer type, the yeah. benevolent nightclub bouncer. Yeah. And she's the, she works the door and she, she knows the kids that do get to go in. She protects the right ones. You know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, that's what I would do. I think that's good. I would say if we do have a cop, I want it to be Amy Sedaris. And so she can just take the piss out. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really good. That would yeah. be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So either we're making a mockery of it or we're getting rid of it. I think that's, right. I think that's right. the realm we're in. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. That would be really funny. So I think that that is a fabulous group of um, yeah. potential candidates. Um, I, I do think Ryan Murphy will produce that movie, and I think all of those people should be in consideration, and I hope that they get their money for it. Yeah, well, he produced this podcast, didn't he? He is. I, I, think, <laughs> I think he will be our fairy investor, um, at least sure. for season two. <laughs> Uh, well, that's amazing. And uh, so, Dan, we are coming to the end of our little podcast here. Um but I do have a weekly segment where I ask my guests what they're obsessed with in a segment called Guest Obsessed, which rhymes. Um, so yeah. what have you been obsessed with recently? I'm obsessed with this restaurant in Kingston called Chloe. Mm. Uh, it was the most delicious food I've ever eaten. And I think every time I've eaten since then, I've been just trying to recapture that feeling and it's impossible (laughs) Uh, but i'm also really obsessed with um eve's tumor's new album Mm. it's like that so like i I make these weekly playlists and Mm -hmm. there's like i said there's just so much friggin' music out there Mm -hmm. uh and eve's tumor just came out or i think he's releasing new music and there's been like some singles lately yeah that's what it is uh, he released some, and uh, yeah, he's been releasing new singles, and I think it's in anticipation of the full mm-hmm. album. But everything's been really good. It's just like he's one of those artists that I've just like very recently discovered and like have kind of become infatuated with. And there's like been a lot on social media. Like he's, it seems like they're activating him. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, like, oh, totally. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of stuff happening. So uh, that's an artist I would recommend checking out. Um, I love that. So we have good food and good music. I mean, what more could anyone want? Yeah, right. That's what I'm obsessed with right now. Oh, fabulous. Well, obviously, I'm obsessed with you, Dan. You're absolutely amazing. (laughs) Um, And before we go, do you have any, like, social media things you want to promote or get out into the world? Yeah. um, I have my partner and I run a photo studio um, and I would love to plug that it's red goose studio um, red goose dot studio on Instagram. Um, I'll put the link in the bio. Thank you. And you can also follow me. I'm Dan Orable on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a weekly playlist sort of weekly. I'm not that great at keeping things updated, but almost weekly playlist. Uh, that's usually an hour and a half to two hours long. Uh, that I I'll post the link on my Instagram often and you can find me on Spotify too at Dan Orable. Oh, I 
love your taste in music. The playlists you make are so good. And um, if you ever get on to doing like those live um, streaming DJ sessions, um, I will put a link out for that too. Cause those were so fun. So brilliant. Ugh. Well, we may have something cooking. <gasps> Don't worry. Ooh. All right. Everyone stay tuned. Um, and also, thanks for staying tuned to this podcast, anyone listening. I want to make sure that you know that you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at omdqpod. That's omdqpod. And let us know in the comments what you're obsessed with. Also, Dan has created an amazing playlist to accompany this podcast, which the link for that is in the bio. Have some listen to some gay anthems, some disco tunes, and dance your heart out. And please feel free to leave a rating or review on anywhere you get your podcast because it really helps us out. It's true. It's true. All right, Dan. I love you. Bye. I love you, Adam. Bye. <laughs>